Welcome to Leader to Leader with Pastor John Bailey. Uh, we're so glad that you're with us today. And today I have a very uh, special guest, a long-term friend. And for uh, probably a year plus, we had a podcast uh, that was called John and Mark, uh, Grace and Truth. And we are back here uh, again. And uh, now uh, on this leadership podcast, I wanted to introduce some of you to our missions director here at World Challenge. Mark, thanks for being with us today. Hey, it's an honor. Yeah. And um, so... Uh, Mark here leads uh, our missions ministry, has lived, maybe you would share a little bit about your own testimony and uh, kind of the path that God has brought you to in leadership. Yeah, sure. I grew up in a pastor's home Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they say pastor's kids either turned out, they turned out to be the best or the worst. And so I- You were both, right? both. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so like the first 10 years of, you know, my dad became a pastor when I was 12 a senior pastor, and he was always involved in the church, Mm. you know, heavily, heavily involved. And there was sort of this natural transition of he felt a call of God on his life. And and as he grew in his ministry and things, I think people saw that in his life and empowered him and he went out and he planted churches. And, but, you know, that 12 years old's a tough time for all of a sudden, you know, your dad to be going from having one job to having kind of three jobs because he was working a regular job. He was trying to plant a church and he was trying to go to Bible college at the same time. And, you know, the just natural tendency is squeaky wheel gets the grease and everybody else needed him. And it was, you know, a little bit hard to get scheduled in there. So, you know, I spent a time away from the Lord, but by God's grace, ended up coming back. Always had a great relationship with my parents. So that never affected that, but uh, ended up coming back to the Lord when I was 22 um, and eventually became a missionary uh, overseas, have an amazing wife who's incredibly talented and a very gifted person and leader in her own right. And then four great kids. Yeah. Praise God. And uh, we have been friends for 35 years. 35 years. That makes us both very old. uh, (laughs) And I I know your mom and dad very well. They are some of the best people on the planet. They are. You did marry an amazing wife. Uh, Some people, they say you, you had to, you know, you married up the ladder. You had to get in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely outpunted my coverage. <laughs> did, yeah. So, uh, so, and we are so privileged to have you here at World Thank Challenge you. and the ministry that you bring. And so, today we want to focus on this particular discussion on leading leaders. And um, I think Mark is a person that really has done that uh, for so much of his life and ministry. And we feel like that this would be something that's really good to hone in on because, listen, there's uh, we're called to lead everyone in the church. But there is a specificness to taking people who have leadership callings and helping to develop them as leaders. Uh, one thing I, I love what Paul says in the scripture is, you know, to follow me as I follow Christ. And so bringing people into finding their uh, their 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 leadership callings and giftings, that is a, that's a very specific thing. And so today we are going to really hone in on, on what it means to lead leaders. So maybe we'll just start off by saying, Mark, what are some situations that you have been in over, over the years? And mm-hmm. I'm familiar with some, but just for our, our listeners today, what are some areas that God has used you to lead leaders? Well, I mean, as a, you know, I, I mentioned I was a field missionary for 30 years, but the reality is, is about 15 years into my missionary journey, um, 
there were people, I guess, around who saw that a particular leadership quality in me and asked me, kept giving me more and more re leadership responsibilities, mm -hmm. which gives you the opportunity to succeed or fail, you know, and uh, I think that's part of how we even actually determine who leaders are. Yeah. We give them, you know, good opportunities uh, to prove themselves. And I guess I kept meeting the standard, uh, <laughs> you know, and um, wound up uh, taking over a role in the Middle East, North Africa, and uh, came into a position where we were really challenged. Mm -hmm. um, we had had this glass ceiling where we we would go from like 35 missionary units to 45 missionary units. And we're talking about 18 countries. So when you spread out— In the Middle East, and just yeah. for context, so we're not talking about, you know, um, there we, we've both traveled to yeah. most of the world— uh, but we're talking about in a Middle Eastern context, highly persecuted areas, very difficult places to preach the gospel. And now you're leading uh, team members from the missions organization that you were in, as well as national leaders that you were working with. Yeah, and, and as it related to the missionaries, I went from being a peer yeah. to being their leader. <laughs> That's never fun. <laughs> it just, it, it, it actually was really fun for me, but it required a very unique approach. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about today. And so, you know, I, I went from, you know, I had to acknowledge I was not their peer anymore. Right. You know, but I, anyway, I think the big thing was is that God gave me an ability to kind of be able to assess this, what was systematic, what was, right. a, and then what was people oriented. Right. You know, and, and, Systems have to change mm -hmm. in order to function, to, to raise up leaders. And so we kind of went through that and we saw this, you know, bumping up against the glass ceiling over and over again. I mean, I was over 18 countries, spread out 35, 45 missionaries. You don't have a, a lot of presence. And this is a part of the world where the gospel is desperately needed. Yeah. And so, you know, I started asking questions like how... Do we get more workers? How? What's causing this issue? And basically what I realized was we had this, a, a, guy, a couple guys wrote a book a few years ago called The Starfish and the Spider. Mm -hmm. And I realized we were the spider. You know, if you, if you pull a leg off of a spider, not that you should do that, <laughs> but if you pull a leg off a spider, if you pull a leg off a spider, you injure the spider. If you if you crush its head, it's dead. Right. Starfish, if you break a leg off of a starfish, mm -hmm. it'll just regrow another leg, and the broken off leg actually has the ability to turn into a whole new starfish. Yeah. And it was about empowering people and looking for leaders. We had a wagon wheel when I first came in. So the leader was at the center and everything had to go to that leader. Every approval, everything, even people working in the same country on the same team wouldn't even be talking to each other because they had to talk to the leader. And so what was happening is, you know, you would hear constant frustration. So, you know, and, and of course in ministry, when people move on, they always say, we feel like God's leading us, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But we also understand that God leads us in other directions sometimes because of frustration. And 100%. I realized I needed to create a culture that empowered leaders. We were able to do that and by God's grace and 
help of a lot of people that, you know, came on board, we grew pretty substantially. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and God can, you know, can and will lead people out of frustrating situations so that they can be at places that will maximize the giftings that he's called on their lives. And Absolutely. so I, I know your the, background enough to know that that, that was a, happened with you several times. Yeah. It, well, and it is one, I think is one of the things in leadership is, you know, one of our jobs becomes lessening the frustration of the people around you because when you can get away from the frustrating situations, then people's energies can get off of the frustrations sure. and get into doing the real calling of the work that they're called to do. And what frustration becomes is, is it just sucks all the energy off of the productive work that can happen for the kingdom. So as leaders for the king in the kingdom of God, now, we're never going to be able to get rid of all frustrations. Sure. God will bring frustrations into life. Um, but if the frustration is because of our leadership, that's an unnecessary frustration. And so if you're in the Middle East, the frustration is going to be, I can be killed. Uh, people don't want to hear my message. <laughs> There's a lot of frustrations that are there. Yeah. But it shouldn't come from, from the organization right. or the place of leadership. And I think that that's a good lesson for everybody that's watching to go, you know, sometimes in an effort to control how things are done, we can add frustrations. I believe it's really important for us to bring the frustration levels down so that it frees people to do the things that they're called to do. Uh, you know, may maybe one thing I would ask you is, like, what is the tension between micromanaging and managing? So we know that it's unhealthy to ma micromanage. We, we want to manage people. But there is a place there that you go, sometimes people need really intensive direction because they, you know, they're developing their leadership or ministry skills. So you don't really want to live at that place. So what's a good way to navigate through the tensions of not wanting to micromanage people, but still being able to manage them? It's a, it's a really good question, John. And, you know, I think all leaders have the responsibility of management. Yes. So it's not like if you have good leaders under you, you still don't, you don't have to manage. Right. No, you still have to manage. You yeah. you just manage differently. Yes. And so I know you had a, on a recent episode of your podcast, you talked to Joshua West mm -hmm. about the discipleship issue in the American church. Yes. And that's very similar. I, I see the lack of raising up leaders is really in the church, at least, as a discipleship issue. Yes. You know, pastors who preach. So this this relates to the micromanagement versus the management mm -hmm. piece. So I would say micromanagement versus empowering management. Yes. So micromanagement is the pastor who only wants followers. Yes. He wants little birds that sit out in the crowd every week and go, feed me, feed me, feed <laughs> me. You know, right. the pastor who wants leaders and wants to make a real kingdom impact says, I'm going to feed you because you're going to take this and you're going to become people who feed others. Absolutely. And, and I'm going to give you the skills and the desire to go and feed yourself. Yeah. You know, and so that's sort of that micromanagement versus management piece. You're evaluating where is somebody at? So is how does this person need intense mm -hmm. management? Yes. If they need intense management, they're not a leader. 
Oh, yeah, I, I I somewhat agree with you. I think that sometimes people have issues and the intense management means that maybe they have to work through some things to to grow because we both have seen people that on first appearance is like, I don't know if this guy's really a leader. And sometimes once th- some issues get fixed, they can really grow. So it's a, it is a, I'm not a, saying probably they don't, a thing to yeah, navigate through. Yeah, and maybe a better way of saying is I'm not saying they don't have any leadership potential. Yes. But they're not Ready functioning. That exactly. That's really what I was trying yes. to say. They're not functioning at a high leadership level. Yeah. And so you can take that micromanagement approach as a way of empowering. So what you do is you start, you know, I, I like to use the analogy of riverbanks. Yeah. You know, as as a person becomes more and more capable as a leader, the person above them makes the riverbanks wider and wider and wider so that greater capacity can flow through there. Yeah. Now, if you remove all riverbanks, you just have a flood. Yes. And that that accomplishes nothing. There's no energy. There's no, you know. So what you're trying to do with, with a person who needs the intense management, you've got the the Riverbank's pretty close. Yeah. You know, you're you're kind of, I like to use the analogy of, you know, do I want to be informed or do I want to be involved yes. in a decision? The lower someone is on the leadership scale, let's assume they're, they are a leader, but they're mm-hmm. growing. I want to be more involved. Yes. As they grow, I want to be involved less and informed more. Yeah, because you trust what they're doing. Now you're just going, hey, we need communication exactly. to inform me, but uh, I don't have to babysit you because you have come into it. And th- listen, this whole conversation, I know your background is as a missionary uh, in a uh, organization where you're leading missionaries, very difficult places of leadership. But what we're talking about here is not limited, and I know you agree with this, to mission situations. Oh. If you're a pastor this this watching, I, I will tell you, uh, listen, first of all, the gospel has to be preached. So we got to get the message right. But after that, the number one reason that churches don't grow is because pastors many times try to control everything and and micromanage. And it really does not lend itself to, to growth. The more that you can trust God to help, uh, yes, at, at times be intensive with people who need that, but the more that you can take those riverbanks and, and kind of widen them and allow other people to do things and to do them well— uh, it is actually the gateway. And, and you know, I started a church with seven people that became really large. Well, there were points in that as we grew that I, and I would say it to the church, as the structure, we would have to restructure and then we would have to open up more leadership for for people because I can't do everything. So the, the organization will grow as you make disciples and help them to find their place in leadership. And as those riverbanks begin to widen, never just an open flood, but they widen, it's the capacity for the ministry to grow. And, I, and just maybe to share this, as you began to do that on the mission field and you have your you know 35 to 45 missionaries and you begin to say, hey, 
we're going to open up. We're really going to lead leaders and help them to grow. So what was the effect of that? What was it in, you know, over a few years, mm-hmm. you begin to have a really dynamic change. I'm, I'm a little bit familiar, but I want our listeners to really hear that once you began to lead the right way, what was the effect of that? Yeah, we grew by about 600%. That's 600%. Who wants their ministry to grow by 600%? (laughs) Well, and that's 600% of leaders, Mm -hmm. not impact. So impact is on the backside of that. So Mm -hmm. if you're you're growing by 600% at the leadership level, I think it's safe to say that you're growing at, you know, 5,000% on the other side of that leadership. Yes, the effectiveness of yeah. what your ministry is accomplishing. Exactly. And we're and listen, this isn't like uh this isn't like, you know, the Bible Belt in America, you know, we're talking about going to one of the most difficult regions of the world, if not the most difficult regions of the world, and because the leadership is getting right and you're allowing God to speak through and able people to discover their callings. Now, when you're beginning to lead leaders the right way, now now things start, that, that's the move of God that we want, where God begins to do things that go beyond our capacity to control everything that is happening along the journey. Exactly. Yeah? Yeah, very much so. Well, praise God. I've, uh, this is a good conversation. What would you say, maybe somebody that's watching, they're going, you know, um, I, man, I preach the gospel, we preach truth, um, but I really want to see the way that I lead leaders. I want to see that grow. What are some tangible ways that you could speak to them and go, here's some good places to start. If you're going to be a leader of leaders, here are some qualities that you will need to have and maybe implement. Let the Holy Spirit work through that to see uh, people really grow into the callings that they have. As you know, John, um, part of the way we raised our funds for all those years is we would go from church to church to church to church to church to speak, you know, and so I'd be at one church on Sunday morning, another church on Sunday night, another church on Wednesday night, and then meetings all during the week. And in that process, you see a lot of churches. A lot. You see churches that are led really, really well. You see churches that are led really poorly. And you see probably the overwhelming majority, which are in the middle. Yeah. You know, just as a little point of contact, I don't know if it, I went to so many churches as a missionary and evangelist, you literally could meet a pastor within 10 minutes. I could talk to a pastor and go, I pretty much know what I'm going <laughs> to expect, expect to see when I walk into church yeah. because it just kind of leadership just oozes out of you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so we would, you know, I would always say, if you don't, if you aren't seeing, so like you said, you're preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, one, you ask the question, are we are we getting people saved? Mm-hmm. So if let's assume you're preaching the gospel and you're getting people saved and your church isn't growing. Well, the only alternative there is that they're coming in the front door, but people are leaving the back door. Yeah. That's a number one indicator that there's a leadership issue here. Yes. You know, because your 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 message is right, your approach is right, but you're not keeping people. Yeah. If you're not seeing people get saved, that's another issue. You know, that yeah. that's a you're you're not preaching the message or you're you're not preaching in a way that's relevant. You're not engaging your community. There's a lot of pieces there. But the number one indicator of a leadership flaw is you're seeing people walk in the front door, but you're not retaining yeah. people. So 
one, there's evaluation. And that one's got to start with a pastor being willing to, to look in the mirror. Yep. You know, you and I've had this conversation before. I've heard you say, number one impediment to church growth is the pastor. It's me. Yeah. And it's being able to look in the mirror and go, hey, it, things don't get fixed if you don't own it. Yeah, exactly. And that's not, hey, anybody that's watching today, and we love everybody that's watching, and we're not here with egos trying to, you know, say we did great things. And what, and I think, I know you agree with this. If you, if you pastor 25 people and those people are getting to heaven, hallelujah. Yes. We encourage you. We love you. God bless you. But if you are listening in and you're going, but you know, it feels like I have these glass ceilings. And I, you know, are there some ways that I could break through? Maybe part of the problem is my my leadership style. Yeah. Preach the truth, but then secondly, th- these are a few things to help you. Yeah. So one, I would ask the question: Are you an empower, mm-hmm. or are you a person who feels like you need to do everything? Yep. I've seen probably this is probably the number one thing that I have the flaw that I have seen because you you think about like when you and I went to college together to study for ministry. Most of our classes dealt with stuff related to sermon preparation. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were theology classes, they were Bible classes, classes, they were preaching classes, they were counseling classes. But how few, how many classes did we actually have in how to lead? Oh. Very few, if any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, what happens is what we're prepared for what the average pastor is prepared for yeah. isn't what he's actually, it's only part of what he's having to do yeah. every week. And so it's not his fault that he doesn't know this. It's his fault if he continues not to know it. Yeah. So he's going to have to grow himself. He's not going to grow externally unless he's growing internally. Yeah. So number one, he's going to have to grow. Number two, he's going to have to ask, am I an empower or am I a control person? Yeah. Do I feel like I need to do everything? You know, and we talked about, you know, you you asked questions about, you know, the success we've experienced. I could give you a list of failures, you know, (laughs) and and it would probably be longer than the success ones, you know. Absolutely. But what I'm committed to is learning from my failures. I don't want to repeat them. So that's a a trait. And and you know what what happens when you do, and this, this is just something that we do as pastors, but when you think that, Everything that I do, I do better than everybody else. And there may be some truth to that. But I but I do believe this is that most of the time, if you start training and equipping and allowing and opening doors, there are some things that you will find people, even in the church of 25 people, that can do some things better than you can do them. And rather than trying to, you know, just hold everything in, in the grips— allowing people to find those areas. And the more that you can do that, it gives you more time to soul win, to disciple, preach the word, get, you know. And so I would really encourage like unleashing that, those people that that sit in your congregation, there's potential leaders there. I guarantee if you got 50 people in a church, there are leaders that are there. It's discovering them and helping them to grow and that will be a big part of the pathway of your church Absolutely. and ministry growing. And, you know, a number of years ago, John Maxwell wrote this book about traits of, you know, leadership. And one of them was about how the, the law of attraction. Yeah. That, you know, and, and it had to do with the fact that, like, if you're a seven, you're going to draw people who are a six and below. Yeah. 
you know, now what I do think is if you lead right, you actually can have people who are willing to follow you who are, have greater leadership skills yeah. than yours. But you have to lead right to make that happen. And the number one thing, so, you know, empowerment, uh, that doesn't mean so that you t- pastors can make two mistakes in this area or just leaders in general. One is not to empower, so to be a controller, mm-hmm. want to keep everything under their own control so they don't empower, they don't delegate. But the other one is to delegate but with no res- no accountability. Yeah, Both of those are equally wrong. Yes. You know, one will lead to stifling and two will lead to mission drift. Yeah. You know, because if that person's not getting it, if there's no accountability there, he's going to lead or she's going to lead in the direction that they think fit, which may not line up with where you're wanting to go in the church. Yeah. You know, um, just to throw this out. So um, I came into one of the churches I was a youth pastor at. We had about 40 kids in the youth group. And so, anyways, the, the the group by the time I left was about 400. Mm-hmm. And along with that, I always, like, I love evangelism. So we started these evangelistic uh, ministries. We probably had about 10 or 12 that we would do every month. Uh, we had teams that would go into neighborhoods, inner city neighborhoods. And so uh, so people would say, well, how did you create all of that? As well, we were running a ministry school to help develop uh, people through Berean, I think mm-hmm. you're familiar with. Yep. So so we had all of these things going on, and people would be like, how do you have 400 kids in it? It was because I took my hands off of it. Yeah. And when we would do an outreach, I would go, like we would start inner, inner city outreach. I would pick the leader, had the right heart, go in, do the training and equipping. And within about six months, it was like they were they were ready to roll. And I let them go. And then I would say, now let's do a juvenile detention ministry. Mm-hmm. And six months, help develop the leader and then let it, and and so we did that one at a time with ministries, and all of a sudden you turn around and you go, God's done something exceptional here. And I think that this is a this is a thing with with leadership is what you're saying It's not just delegation. Delegation does not make disciples. I can I could delegate twenty things to people, and it doesn't mean that it's going to be effective. It's a it's a it's it's empowering people, training and equipping and helping them to find their giftings and helping them to grow into it and then releasing them. But it's not just giving somebody a job at the church. It's, it's got to be more than that. Yes. So I, I make a distinction between task delegation mm-hmm. and leadership delegation. Those are two very different things. Very good. Sometimes I just need somebody to do this. You know, we're, you know, I, I'm getting ready to do every every year, you know, here at World Challenge, we bring in all of our international leaders. We bring them in. It's a great time. Everybody at the World Challenge staff here enjoys this thing, you know. So bring these people in. A lot of logistic stuff goes on mm-hmm. behind the scenes Yeah, for that. But so part of that is I have some things that I just delegate task. Yep. You know, I, as, as a matter of fact, what I, so... I, the reason, reason this thing succeeds is because I have tasks that I know need to be done. These are big, big picture tasks, mm-hmm. but I don't do them. I give them to other people. Some of those are tasks, and then others, I, I'd say to them, I want you to own day three yep. of our training. Yeah. So I want you, here again, involve in form. You know, so I want you to in dialogue with me. Here's some big pictures I want to see accomplished, but I want you to lead that day. 
So it's not just leading, it's not giving somebody a task. I can ask, you know, we need these things printed up. I need gifts for hospitality. You know, I need, that's a task. Yeah. And it's important. And it's an important, it's a servanthood ministry that's really important. Absolutely. It's vital. Yeah. But for those people I really want to see grow in leaders, I'm not just giving them tasks. I'll give them tasks, but I'm also giving them leadership opportunities to grow in an area that maybe they haven't grown in before. Very good. I, w- I want to just in- encapsulate a few things. I'm going to ask you to give us a final word. So listen, uh, leading leaders, the first thing, hey, you, the word of God and making sure that the word is right. That wh- Whatever you lead beyond that, if you don't have the word right, um, you're, you're in trouble. The second thing is being people of prayer. And we haven't talked about that much, but I know your heart Absolutely. is being a person of pray- prayer and asking God to give me the discernment, show me the people I think that the next next thing that I, this is something that I learned very early on is that you know the 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 fat principle faithful available teachable mm. when you find people who are faithful in what they do that's a good sign they then they're available so they make themselves available to uh, to serving God and then teachable which is really important if you find if we, yeah. but when you find people with those characteristics as you're leading and you find faithful available teachable now you can start to help them to grow identify those people help help them to find their gifts as you're praying and discerning get them into the right places and then and then and then what you're saying here is now help them to develop and it will take time to do that developing leaders takes time but the reward of what you get, I would say this, if you go, man, I'm just too busy to develop leaders. No, you're too busy not to develop yeah, leaders. Absolutely. That is the key to in, in, to, to really getting yourself in a position uh, to have a, a, a flourishing ministry to where you're not killing yourself. Absolutely. So the more that you can identify them, help to equip them, then release them into ministry, get the borders of the river wide, that's the awakening that we're looking for. So as pastors and leaders, uh, I love it. I'm going to have you come back and we're going to talk in, in the future about really, you know, uh, some of the, some more of these leadership uh, principles. So uh, I just wanted to just really help to hone in on some of those areas. And that's if you're a pastor of a church, if you work in an organization, uh, whatever ministry or mission you're called to, these are things that are tangible to help you to lead leaders. Absolutely. So Mark, give us the last word and I want you to pray for us. I, I Two things real quick. One, I, I, you've, we've hinted at this today, but I do want to make a distinction of the fact that there's no A team, B team in God's kingdom. Amen. So, you know, maybe you don't have the gift of leadership. That means nothing as far as how you are evaluated by God. Amen. You are only called to live up to the gifts that you are given. Yep. However, Paul does say, if you have the gift of leadership, lead with all diligence. Amen. So we know that in order for the church to grow, pastors have to be able to lead, they have to be able to identify leaders, and they have to be able to empower leaders to go out and do the work. Praise God. So, you know, all of those things. I mean, and that's the Paul to Timothy. Yes, absolutely. Taking the gospel and giving it to entrusted people to help them further the gospel. And And the flip side of that is the the Moses Jethro story mm-hmm. of Moses is trying to do everything. And Jethro says, what you're doing is, this is, I think, so important. He says, it's going to wear you out 
and the people. <laughs> you know, okay, because we tend to— Stop as, wearing your people out. Yeah, as leaders, we tend to <laughs> think, good. well, it's only about us. No, when we lead poorly, yep. the people, it, it impacts their lives. Yeah, and what and, and the people that are sitting in the pews or the ministry, and also the people in your community, because if you're not leading properly, you're never going to get these people in the pews to get out to the places to share the gospel to see the church flourish. Yes, right? absolutely. And the, the only last thing I would say is, and this is a whole nother podcast, but when we lead, it's I think it's important, especially in today's world, that we we not think me, we mm-hmm. think we. Praise God. A plurality of leadership. Yes. You know, where it this isn't Moses going up on Mount Sinai and saying, God, speak to me, and then I will speak to the people. Mm-hmm. I think the more New Testament model is that it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Yep. And so I think both of those are important. That is great. It's one of the, the in the story of David and Goliath, one of the, the verses that I love is when David says, that um, that God has given Goliath into our hands, mm-hmm. and you're like, who's the hour? Because everybody else is <laughs> afraid right on the, the side. Tents, yeah. But still, it, you know, it, it was a great leadership thing because he's already saying hour yeah. because he was like, listen, uh, the victory is the Lord's, the battle belongs to the Lord, and then we. So it's our, and the more that you can include that, that is a great sign of a leader and David would go from that, you know, field of killing Goliath to one of the great leaders in Israel. So yeah, it is always about we, so we will, we will do another podcast in the future and we will talk about how we have the victory in Christ. Amen. Amen. Pray, pray for some leaders uh, that are out there today. If you would Mark. Lord, thank you for the fact that you do raise up leaders in your kingdom. Um, Lord, I, I believe that our churches are full of people that have the latent gift of leadership and are longing to make kingdom impact Mm. in their church and in their communities. Lord, as kingdom leaders, help us to identify them, help us to um, grow in our own humility that lets us not have to do everything but to let others do it. Lord, and just help our churches to grow for your namesake. This isn't about um, growing influence for our namesake. This is about making Jesus famous in our communities. There's so much at stake here, Lord, and the world needs us. They need, we need more kingdom leaders. Help us to find them. Help us to train them. Help us to release them for the glory of God, we pray. Amen. 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 Mark Renfro, Chief Ministry Officer here at World Challenge. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for joining us today uh, on Leader to Leader with Pastor John Bailey. If you get an opportunity to share this out with a friend, I really believe that it would be a blessing to them. Thank you for being with us, and have a great day. Amen.